Welcome to Heal. Today we get to speak with Golden Ring Snake, Kristen Vicken, a gifted teacher and facilitator with over 30 years of rigorous shamanic training and apprenticeship. In a society where we are facing an epidemic lack of sexual education, Kristen and I discuss the misconceptions around sex, the most people lack the knowledge needed to live healthy, fulfilled, safe sexual lives. And what I see most often is that we don't have much sexual education and all of us grow up to become teenagers and get into puberty where we now are supposed to be able to be sexual, but we don't know anything about it. And somehow we are meant to be incredible in the bedroom without any knowledge. And this is meant to sustain itself for the rest of our life. Yet most of us experience incredible shame or insecurity or awkwardness. And many never really get aroused even because there isn't really enough knowledge being shared. Wise, humble, and utterly human, Kristen is originally from Norway and currently resides in Phoenix, Arizona. She travels the world teaching and facilitating ceremonies. Dedicated to her spiritual quest from a very young age, she apprenticed to Sweet Medicine Sundance Path in 1989. Kristen has deeply committed herself to study and training program that includes an integrated body of knowledge and practices, shamanic dearmoring, shulakwai kwadoshka, shamanic year-long programs, rites of passage, women's spirituality, spiritual sexual healing, and transformation. Kristen's naturalness and beauty as a human being is expressed through humble service as she leads empowerment groups, workshops, teachings, and ceremonies for both men and women. In today's conversation, we expand beyond the physicality of sexuality to include spiritual sexuality, highlighting the idea that sexual energy is a healing force that goes beyond personal pleasure or even connection with a partner. Our sexual energy is actually for our health, not just our physical health, but our emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, and sexual health. And, and that our spiritual sexuality, our life force energy, is a, a healing agent. We challenge the goal-oriented approach to sex and encourage people to embrace the ebb and flow of their sexual energy throughout the arc of their life, allowing for a deeper relationship with themselves, their partners, and the gifts of sacred sexuality. Sexuality has the same growth curve, if you will, or, or operates very similar to our emotional health, our mental health, our physical health, and our spiritual health. Our sexuality is part of our beingness, so that if, if we feel not sexually aroused, it doesn't mean that we are now forever doomed to be an unsexual human being. Absolutely. It's just that we need to grow. We will discuss the different types of orgasms and the importance of letting go of control to achieve a more profound connection with one's sexual self. Kristen even walks us through a breathing exercise called the fire breath, aimed at cultivating our own sexual vitality that can even lead to a solo, full-body orgasm with breath alone. Our breath is a very under valued part of who we are as a sexual being. Most of the time we hold our breath because we have so much anticipation and our breath is actually what we consider in our tradition uh, as 90% of the flow of our orgasmic energy. Kristen encourages us all to explore our sexual selves, emphasizing the importance of imagination, self-love, 
and embracing the flow of sexual energy for a holistic and empowering sexual experience. Join us. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Marshall. Kristen, thank you so, 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 so much for being here on Heal With Us. I am utterly thrilled. I have goosebumps getting to have this conversation with you. You have actually been on my dream guest list for like three years. And in we've been coordinating schedules for a while, and now we're finally here. And I'm so grateful for you to take the time. And particularly, you know, what Heal is all about is the exploration of what does it really mean to heal and become a full, whole, satisfied, fulfilled human being. And, you know, we can talk about biochemistry and we can talk about nutrition and all of that is really important, but our sexual health and having conversations about who we are as sexual sentient beings, I think is a huge missing. I don't think it's talked about nearly enough. And I'm just honored to get to be with somebody who's got such a amazing history of spending 30 years of your life training and facilitating and developing your own capacity and helping people come to a whole new a whole new understanding of what it means to be a sensual sexual human being. So thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. And thank you for the work that you're doing, bringing heal into the public. So it's an honor for me to be here with you. Awesome. Well, I'd love to dive in. And to some degree, I will ask the questions, but also you can kind of take the lead of like, I'm going to just start with what do you think some of the biggest misunderstandings or misconceptions are for like the average person around what role sex plays in their life as a healthy human being? Great question. I think, and what I see most often is that we don't have much sexual education and all of us grow up to become teenagers and get into puberty where we now are supposed to be able to be sexual, but we don't know anything about it. And somehow we are meant to be incredible in the bedroom without any knowledge. And this is meant to sustain itself for the rest of our life. Yet most of us experience incredible shame or insecurity or awkwardness. And many never really get aroused even because there isn't really enough knowledge being shared the moment we get into puberty about what it really means to be a sexual human being. Another piece that I see is that, you know, sexuality has the same growth curve, if you will, or, or operates very similar to our emotional health, our mental health, our physical health and our spiritual health. So it means that it goes through cycles of transformation and healing and more like flat numb cycles where there's not so much sexual arousal and activity and desire and really high peaks where there's a lot of it. So that's another piece I see that we we don't have acceptance within ourselves that this is a part of our natural growth as a human being. Our sexuality is part of our of of our beingness. And so that if if we feel not sexually aroused, it doesn't mean that we are now forever doomed to be an unsexual human being. Absolutely. It's just that we need to grow. Yeah. And that was something that like I've done a few of the programs that you lead and facilitate and, and offer. And 
I remember when I first, it was about six, six or seven years ago, I think when I first came to do my first Kwidoshka workshop and it was like, I was in my thirties and I was like, if I had this information when I was 18, you know, and, and some of it, I've actually seen some of the big things that really impacted me was negotiation and conversations of agreement with a partner to actually really fully be in communication and how much sexier and sensual the interaction is when you know you have that safe boundary set. Whereas like for 20 years of my sexual experience going into that before was like clenching my stomach and hoping it all turns out with fingers and toes crossed. And sometimes it didn't turn out well at all. And other times it was like, oh my gosh, that was magic. And I have absolutely no idea how to reproduce it again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's another piece. I think that's a very important part. We we aren't really taught to talk about sex openly or to talk about what we are nervous about or to talk about what we don't like or to share our boundaries, or to share our full body yes and full body no. We, we're not even taught or modeled by anybody that there is such a thing as a body yes to uh, a sexual activity and a body no, and that our body is an incredible guide and teacher for us sexually. Absolutely. Yeah. So would you say a little bit more about the other piece that really struck me as I started to get introduced to this education was thinking beyond my body and sexuality as simply about pleasure. I mean, it is about pleasure, but I started to get this depth of this is life force energy and that like chi and qigong and like breathing exercises and like so many other modalities of healing or personal growth and development inside of yogic traditions and meditative traditions that there's actually a, like you've said, a growth path for our sensual sexual energy, I'm using the words I remember from what I got left with from the programs that actually can be a healing force, a growth force, a development force. So like, can you speak a little bit more to how I think most people, I came from a place of feeling like, well, sex is about pleasure and connection with a partner. And I didn't have any concept for it much being bigger than that. Yeah, yeah, that's very good. Like often we 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 speak about the what you are talking about right now as spiritual sexuality that is actually far beyond sex with a partner in the bedroom with within like a relationship or with with somebody that you are attracted to. That often we will consider that originally our sexual energy is actually for our health not just our physical health but our emotional mental physical spiritual and sexual health and and that our spiritual sexuality our life force energy is a a deep and ancient you could say healing agent that has been with us since always if you want to look at yourself being more than just this person in this lifetime and so we often speak about our sexual life force energy being a soul force energy literally a part of our journey as a much larger magnetic attracting thought space that is going from lifetime to lifetime truly evolving 
And so you can see that in that very often when somebody have a healthy sexual relationship with themselves and therefore are able to have a healthy sexual relationship with others, there's a certain level of vitality, spontaneity, self-honesty, transparency, confidence that all comes along with being open and willing to grow sexually. And, and saying that, being open and willing to grow sexually, that means that you may cry actually during a sexual encounter. You may hit a block where there's a lot of rage that needs to come through in a sexual encounter. And so when we broaden the definition of sexuality to spiritual sexuality, there is an opportunity to have spontaneous healing experiences as this healing, creational soul force energy is coursing and moving through our body. And so it's a it's much broader actually than sex with a partner or or pleasure. Yeah. And I have encountered some of those healing experiences and without that context of this is a healing generative force that's helping move and release things throughout my body, I had previously associated a lot of that with trauma. I didn't yeah. know where else to put it. You yeah. know, and and there might have been some roots in it of my own traumas from a young age and some things that I have been through. But I I had like it was just disorienting and confusing. And I would have yeah. a tendency to pull away and draw back from that until I started to actually like literally get educated around there's another way to view this and other ways to work through it. Yeah. And then instead of instead of withdrawing from the higher vibration, I mean, in, in the in the shamanic dearmoring where where your life force energy heals your your body and your emotions and your mind and your spirit, the whole the whole energetic of how we view the sexual life force energy is that it's a vibration of light, if you will, a light vibration. And the more we allow for the vibration within us, the more that vibration comes up against holding patterns, traumas, unconscious um spaces within our psyche that we haven't brought light to if you will and it starts bringing light into those rooms within our being that were previously closed down due to some hurt or pain or trauma or just lack of education and so because this sexual life force energy does that naturally it truly is a very profound healing agent. And it also requires quite a bit of responsibility and integrity and connection with self to dare to go into that arena because it means spontaneous tears. So it means spontaneous shutdown where you learn how to lean into your sexual energy more when you feel blockages or fear or rage or sadness versus withdrawing. And that requires a level of, of trust in oneself and in, and a certain level of safety in the environment. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember for myself and something that's lasted with me 
recognizing how much my relationship to sexuality and sensual energy is completely personal and my own and that I can work with it on my own. It's not dependent inside of partnership and that there's a whole different dynamic and set of circumstances and communication and setting things up that you want to do with a partner. And that was like immensely liberating and incredibly empowering to have a sense of like, all of that life force energy and all of my relationship to my own sensuality wasn't dependent on whether or not I was in a partnership or not to express it. Cause it, it, for a while it felt like I only got to express that part of myself in a partnership. And then I was completely dependent on however that partnership was going healthy or not. And it was like such a huge space of liberation to be able to take full ownership of it inside myself, just with myself in that way and work through those spaces, potentially completely solo on my own when I needed to. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and part is, that's also another part that we, we haven't been encouraged, if you will, to explore our own sexual territory with ourselves and to explore our genitals, to explore our breathing, to explore our body and and learn to become our own inner lover, if you will. And, and often one would view stimulating oneself sexually as uh, something you only do because you don't have a partner. And so it became, it becomes for many people that come into Kuroshka or into shamanic dearmoring or other things that we do, there's like a sense of a letdown and a lack in one's life if one has to care for oneself sexually. Well, in fact, in order to have true sexual freedom and also agency and understand who we are sexually, it's essential to have what we call a a personal self-pleasuring practice where you actually learn to pleasure yourself and learn to give variety and exploration to self-pleasure, both as men and women. Because it's very easy to get into a habit, similarly as it is to get into habit in every other arena of our life. We work out the same way or we go to bed and we get up the same time or we eat the same food. It's very easy to get into the same way of having sex or stimulating ourselves sexually and our self-pleasure. So learning how to bring variety and growth and exploration and healing and curiosity into the space trains us to access what is naturally installed inside of us. So I want to ask this question because I just, (laughs) I've heard it a lot around me and, and I'm curious is like, what about for people who you kind of mentioned this briefly before, but who for them, two things, one, either they just kind of have concluded they're not a sexual person. They're like, it's just not for me, or that's not that important or as big a deal to me. And what I often find, because I mean, even as a naturopathic doctor, I don't go into great lengths about people's sexual lifestyles, but I definitely hold that space and I hold it as an important part of a full, healthy lifestyle and human, you know, expression of who we are on the planet. And so it does come up in some of my conversations. And there's been people where what they're dealing with is also they've never orgasmed or they almost never orgasm. And I know there's so much 
cultural focus on that's the point of sex. That's the point of all of it. And if that's not there, then nothing. And it becomes very, and you know, just even in my own personal relationships, there's a lot of cultural standard of like that being very goal oriented. So that might be two separate questions, but for people who either for them are in that world of, it's just not for me, I'm not a sensual person, sexual person. And I, Distinguish that from people who have fully chosen to be asexual as their self-expression, like that's a different category, or for people that there's very minimal access to orgasm in their life, like what, what would we say to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very good question. We uh, basically every human being are as capable to experience themselves as a sexual being as they are thinking and moving their physical body, so to speak. It's as natural as our emotions and our thoughts. That's the energetic force inside of us. And so often, because we have so little education and because there has been experiences frequently for women, but we see more and more men also having this now, where you dive into the sexual experience, not understanding how the how arousal actually happens and how arousal works, uh, and and therefore have kind of a sense of a little bit of building of energy, but too quick intercourse or too fast movement, then it's over before you really gotten started type of experience. When you have that on a repetitive basis, one one has a kind of ancient knowing inside that there's more, but yet experience doesn't doesn't give any hint of how that ancient knowing could be fulfilled. And now it becomes like a shame, a despair, a disappointment, a hurt, a sense of dissonance inside. And the more dissonance we have, the more that experience is going to become multiplied, if you will. And so even for, if I can just tell a few stories, even for men that have had prostate operations and they have accidentally cut some nerves that basically makes a man atomically not be able to be sexual any longer, we, I know from my own personal experience of working with men like that through our shamanic dearmoring program that they are able to actually knit back together the their capacity to actually be sexual again even when there's an uh, a physical cutting of nerves i've had women who basically have had accidents where their whole pelvic floor have actually been needing to be in full repair and that they've been told that they will never feel pleasure again that have been able to find their pleasure and often what is the main kind of vehicle for that is actually our breath. Mm. So our breath is a very undervalued part of who we are as a sexual being. Most of the time we hold our breath because we have so much anticipation or we don't, you know, we don't know exactly, we don't want to be too loud. And there, you know, there's all of these things going on. We're a little scared. We wonder if we are okay physically or, or, you know, have large enough breasts or whatever it is. Yes. And so we hold our breath 
And, and our breath is actually what we consider in our tradition as the as 90% of the the flow of our orgasmic energy. And uh, so when we want to rekindle or we want to discover an uh, area that has gone dormant, let's say that I have never felt pleasure and I only felt pain sexually, and therefore I don't want to continue doing that. Part of how we heal that is actually going in and, and working with breath, which is a, a breathing technique that we'll share a little bit later on. That's amazing. And that there's something about that that just sits like, like you said, that ancient knowing there's some part of me that knows like, yes, that makes sense. It like in my cells, it makes sense. And like, you know, I can look back over my own experiences where full disclosure, I know I've worked out a way to kind of force an orgasm from constriction and breath holding. Totally. I know it sort of works, but not really. I mean, they're not good. Like it's just this, like it kind of accomplishes the goal, but it's, it's like through the Kudoshka works that I've done and learning some of the breathing techniques and some of the other ways of working with the energy in my body when I practice and when I go there, like it is a whole body lit on fire, whole different kind of experience of sensual pleasure that sometimes is like, this was another tidbit that I got that just like blew my mind that there was eight or nine different kinds of orgasm. And I was actually, when I learned that as like literal knowledge and I went back and looked, I was like, I am having way more orgasms than I thought I was because all these other experiences that would be like this big rolling energy that never came to a sharp crescendo or peak. And I was like noticing, and then I could start to notice it in my body. And so that was a whole nother breakthrough moment for me was recognizing there's this landscape of diversity of how pleasure and sensuality and orgasmic energy show up and like but I've totally been guilty of doing the like breath hold constriction kind of just like make this thing happen yeah I mean it's totally what you mentioned earlier it's it's how we operate in many ways being goal oriented that we are we are desiring to get to the end result which is the orgasm marking the completion of the experience. So we will tense and we will cringe and we will hold our breath in order to find our way there. And yet that, as you're saying, doesn't produce as much regeneration and re rejuvenation of the cells and the blood and the muscles and everything that is possible. And so we're coming from a place of lack very often because mm -hmm. we don't know better. We don't, we don't know that it's possible to have hours and hours of orgasmic bliss for people before menopause and after. So menopause even, or or for both men and women, even don't stop the potential of what's possible sexually. And so because we come from lack and we come from not understanding, we don't dare to relax into the ebb and flow of the experience and allow for the building to happen more naturally and for it to kind of maybe even plateau for a while and 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 just be in a in a in a void for a while and not actually be building to a sharp peak and so when you work spiritual sexual training 
you want those spaces of letting go of control so that you actually build more energy in your body and in your being and ultimately have a deeper release of trauma, of stress, of tears, of celebration of a victory that you just have had and so on because you're allowing for the ebb and flow and the mystery, you could say, of our sexual energy to teach you and guide you instead of us taking charge and saying, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to cross my legs and I'm going to hold my breath and then I'm going to have an orgasm and can sleep well. Nothing wrong with that though. I just want to say there's nothing wrong with any kind of orgasm and there's much more available. So this brings up a question for me that I don't have a ton of experience, like I haven't read a lot about it, but I hear about it where there's certain spiritual practices or conversations around spirituality where withholding orgasm is a building of life force energy that's ultimately beneficial for ourselves. And I imagine that there are some valid practices, but I'm curious what your take is on that kind of conversation of like, the longer and longer and longer you go, like particularly I hear it around men uh, of if they orgasm, they're like giving away their life force energy and they go into a depleted state. Th- thoughts on yes, that? Right. Yeah. I think this is really great. Now, this 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 whole question has very much to do with the the tradition that the spiritual sexual knowledge comes from. So more patriarchal traditions have a tendency to have, like many Eastern traditions, for example, have a tendency to have quite developed withholding patterns or or withholding practices for men, where there's a sense that there's a depletion that happens upon ejaculation. Well, more shamanic traditions and matriarchal traditions, where I am more, have all of my education, truly, the the, the view and the, the way that the life force is, is approached is that you're building as much life force flow within your container, and therefore the orgasm ends up becoming a deep rejuvenation and regeneration of the whole field, and in fact, seeds for seeds future opportunities of regeneration by being fully expressed with no withholding and so everybody of course is going to that are studying spiritual sexuality will be seeking out the approaches that works the most for them but we have you know i have many men now within our programs that come from a withholding practice but then are willing to explore seeing if it is possible to be more organic and still have a gain of energy. And so they're having a lot of success with that. So it's definitely possible. But if you if if you or me just are holding our breath and tightening all of our muscles and having a a, a 10 a 10 second stimulation of our clitoris and then having like a contraction and release happening through our whole body. That's not necessarily a huge gain of energy. And the Mm -hmm. same with a man, if he just self-pleasures until ejaculation and it's a very quick thing with lots of tension, no breathing and just comes directly from the first chakra out 
kind of as a, a spillage, so to say, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not a gain of energy. So that there, there is more cultivation needed. Our matriarchal approach of cultivation is that you, you learn to sustain more and more pleasure before you have to orgasm to end the pleasure, so to speak. And you learn to be less goal oriented. And that's how you gain energy. Eastern traditions are more making sure that you cycle the energy in, in certain pathways and then redirect the ejaculation back into the body. And so it depends on each individual's spiritual tendencies and affinities, I would say. Yeah. So, But not one rule is better than the other, that's for sure. And I, of course, favor the magical experience of completely letting go because I find that the, there's more revealing of the true potential of the sexual energy of being interconnected with creation as a gift that you receive because you're willing to let go into it when you are not controlling uh, yeah, that sends shivers all through my whole body just hearing you say yeah. that. And that, I mean, for me also, it resonates very deeply. And I can see in my own healing journey, I being a pretty type A, able to dot all my I's and cross my T's and control and plan and predict to the nth degree. Like, I don't need more of that controlling energy. Like, to be able to surrender into creation and to allow myself to be nourished by the universe and to truly open up to those spaces would be a evolution of self and spirit distinct from my already existing patterns of control and safety and security and all of that that I clamp down on into yeah. a different kind of safety and security of trust and surrender and openness and vulnerability like just what I can see in my own tendencies that would definitely be the upward trajectory towards higher vibration and higher consciousness. Yeah. 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 And then you have many men that have, for example, been self-pleasuring is our word of for masturbation. Yes. I've been self-pleasuring for to porn, for example, for for 10 years before they have their first sexual experience and have gotten so much sexual uh, stimulus from the very fast and uh, shifting of images that porn has these days, they don't know how to hold pleasure and build pleasure and all of this and may need to go into a withholding practice for quite a while to learn how to hold that sexual energy mm -hmm. within their body. So it also, I find, I, I've learned through all of these years that the, the best attitude is to honor all traditions in all ways and to know that the most likely something is going to fit for one person in this part of their life and this part of their evolution and and something else will fit for another part of their life and another part of their evolution sexually yeah beautifully said yeah. beautifully said so i feel like it might be the right time in the conversation to sort of open up into what we talked about potentially sharing around the breathing exercise to give people an access point today from this conversation so that this isn't just like, wow, that was really interesting or 
oh my gosh, I'm a little confronted by this conversation or whatever space they might be in to something that's accessible to start to work with this a little bit. Could you share some more about what you, where is a place people can start? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that the first place to start is to start practicing grounding into what we call the one point, which often is called, or in other traditions is mentioned as the Dan Chen or the Hara. It's three fingers below the navel. There is a center of gravity. And this center of gravity supports our whole being to be grounded. So kind of similar to electricity, when electricity is grounded, it doesn't blow circuits. So being grounded before you do sexual practice or practicing being grounded while doing sexual practice and having that be a central part of the sexual practice is essential. So one of the ways you can connect into what we call the one point, the center of gravity, is first you want to maybe find it with your hand, put one finger in in the navel, and then count the fingers, three or four fingers down. There is an area within your body that really deeply balances, grounds your whole nervous system and every single part of you. And so you can inhale through the nose, hold the breath for a moment, push down to that place, three fingers below the navel while you're holding your breath and then slowly exhaling, anchoring yourself down, down, down into your buttocks or anchoring yourself down into the earth. So you're inhaling, holding the breath, pushing down to your lower abdomen, slowly exhaling, feeling that you're anchoring down, down, down into your buttocks. What helps with that is that you come into your body. You can also do this practice by just simply bringing your awareness three fingers below your navel and using your breath as you inhaling naturally. And every exhale, you basically sink down into your lower abdomen and just feel yourself grounding and becoming more present. So that's often the the foundational practice for all spiritual, sexual exercises and breath practices to ensure that you don't have any energy blowout anywhere. So that's just that piece. Do you feel that's clear? Yeah, yeah, I do. And I, I did it as you were sharing and actually like immediately noticed a shift in my body and I'm heightened awareness into my lower center. And there was this like, sense as soon as I got to the one point where I actually like felt a change in my body, just, just placing my hand there. Good, good. That's exactly it. And so that practice I still do many, 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 many times a day. And it's basically a practice that helps being able to become more present in everything that we do, more balanced, more access to creativity. It's an incredible practice actually. And so then After having done a little preparatory work by getting into the center of gravity, now you will be practicing what we call the fire breath. And this fire breath is basically considered a full body orgasm practice that is not genitally oriented. So you're going to focus on this practice by breathing 
in in into your chakras. So in our traditions perspective, the chakras, uh, the first chakra is at the clitoris and the base of the penis for the man. The second chakra is at the pubic hairline. If you have a pubic hairline, but you're going, <laughs> you know where that is. <laughs> the third chakra is the navel in our tradition. It's a little bit different than several of the Eastern traditions. The fourth chakra is in solar plexus for us. Fifth chakra is the throat. Sixth chakra is the forehead, the third eye. And seventh chakra is the top, the crown, the top of the head. And then eight chakra for us in our tradition is actually the physical body, the whole body as a temple. Nine chakra is the auric field. And then we have a 10th chakra, which is actually the halo, where all inspiration and higher consciousness comes from. And so we're going to basically breathe and aliven and awaken the pathway from the first chakra all the way up and out the seventh chakra into the whole body, the whole auric field and the 10th chakra. And so it's quite a simple practice that usually isn't like highly pleasurable in the beginning. It can be, it can be felt like a lot of lot of breathing as if you're running because you're breathing so much and so how is this sexual is a mystery for people usually in the beginning but if you stay with this practice it will basically enrich your overall chi force it will enrich the intensity of your orgasms the length of your orgasm your capacity to sustain high vibration in pleasure your self-expression orgasmically it will just really really empower in so many ways and take the orgasmic power away from being only genitally oriented, but actually something that you can access in your whole body, that so that your whole body can become an erogenous zone equal to your genitals. So how this practice goes is that you're going to be inhaling through your nose as you squeezing your pelvic floor exhaling through your mouth as you are releasing your pelvic floor. So you're going to start focusing and bringing the awareness to the first chakra where often it's helpful to have a hand that is resting on the first chakra, which for women will be the clitoris and for men, the base of the penis. And so you inhaling as you're squeezing the pelvic floor, imagining that you're empowering that chakra, exhaling through the mouth as you're releasing the pelvic floor. Inhale through the nose as you're squeezing, exhale through the mouth as you're releasing. And then you just keep imagining that you're actually filling up a space there in the first chakra with breath. And it's called the fire breath because you basically are fanning the fire in the first chakra with oxygen, if you will. So you're inhaling as you're squeezing the pelvic floor, exhaling as you're releasing the pelvic floor, inhaling from the nose and exhaling from the mouth. Then when that chakra fills up and you can use your imagination imagining that that chakra fills up instead of trying to monitor that whether you can feel it or not just use your imagination that now that chakra after maybe five breaths or so has been filled up and now you're going to bring your awareness to your second chakra the pubic hairline and now you start 
breathing and 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 feeling that that fire that was started in the first chakra is now reaching all the way up to the pubic hairline the flames are coming all the way up to the pubic hairline and you're inhaling through the nose as you're squeezing exhaling through the mouth as you're releasing and you keep doing that for five or six times, feeling and imagining that the fire is more and more empowered and is now starting to reach up to the third chakra in the navel. And so you keep this practice going and your imagination is an incredible tool for awakening sexual awareness, arousal and pleasure. So feel free to use your imagination and even imagine that you can feel instead of monitoring with this critical mind whether you are feeling or not. So feel free to be like totally open and unlimited in your imagination of this fire building all the way up your chakra line. So after the third chakra, where you imagine that the third chakra is full, you're going to go to the fourth chakra, the, the solar plexus. And here you're going to squeeze as you inhale through the nose, release as you exhale through the mouth and keep going all the way up through the chakra line until you actually are experiencing or imagining that there is a explosion or a eruption of energy that is shooting out of your seventh chakra into infinity, if you will. And so often, you will start slow with your breathing. When you're in the first chakra, you start quite slow and you are grounding and you're getting kind of used to breathing. And then in the second chakra, it may pick up a little bit more intensity and a little bit more speed to where you come up into the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh chakra. Often you're breathing something like this. Eventually. And you can even go, so there can be lots and lots of breathing going on. And at one point, if you're breathing very intensely, you can completely let go of monitoring where you're squeezing and where you are releasing and just really go organic into opening your chest up and allowing yourself to breathe so that it explodes out of your seven chakra. And, and how it explodes out of your seven chakra, out of your crown chakra, is through your imagination that it will do so. Because your imagination literally opens the pathway and says, this is possible. I have this pathway within me. I just need to awaken it. It is part of my natural installed power as a human being to have this chakra line available and for this center orgasm to deeply rejuvenate every single part of me. And so this can be done very gently to cast out fatigue and stress. This can be done more intensely as literally a more powerful orgasm than you may have ever had genitally. This can be done while self-pleasuring or while being sexual, because eventually when your breath is awakened within you, you, you will know that your breath is actually so much more central to your fulfillment than is the sexual or the genital stimulation. Nothing wrong with then genital stimulation. We embrace, you know, the whole aspect of who we are sexually and the breath is just really, really 
profoundly healing and awakening as a sexual tool. I love it. And I (laughs) will put my testimonial out there that in my Kodoshka one workshop, when we did this exercise for the first time, I experienced with clothes on, just breathing, nothing else, a complete full body orgasm that came out of the top of my head. And it blew my mind. Like it was so liberating and so empowering to know that like a hundred percent me and my breath, that's what my body's capable. That's what I'm capable on a spiritual level. It was like, it, it literally altered my whole relationship to myself from that experience. And it definitely was helpful to be coached and actually be like in that setting where there was somebody there with the timing and kind of reminding me. And it's a practice that I have not maintained as much as I would like to, but, I, but it's there. And it's an awareness that I have. That's like, it really, it, it was, it was a profoundly body life self altering experience to actually have that happen. And, and it really was like, this magical, like, nobody told me my body can do this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, 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 you know, all the teachings from, from the sweet medicine Sundance tradition, that one of the key elements of the, the, the approach is that the teachings are memory awakeners. Mm-hmm. They, they awaken the memory of what is within us, of knowledge that have been forgotten through the generations, but is still alive inside of us as long as we are willing to go there inside of our being. And when you do this breath, you could start crying spontaneously, or you could start coughing spontaneously, or you could start laughing spontaneously. And that's just energy starting to move and clearing starting to happen. So if you start to cry or start to cough or start to laugh, it's helpful if you keep breathing. If you breathe into the tears, into the laughter, into the coughing, and you allow it to be part of the experience of the full body orgasm. Yeah, versus really stopping good. because right. I now need to cry. It's better to give breath to that those tears and give voice to the to the self expression, so that there can be a full clearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really good. That's really really good. Awesome. I love it. And I think you know, it's I notice for myself even like. I'll be alone by myself on my own and I still run into shame and should I and noise and like, you know, those have been places that I've been able to work with the teachings to start to open myself up as well. And I still run into it from time to time where I feel like, should I be doing this? And is this okay? And like all those inherited limited beliefs that we have been passed on, some of which are multi-generations deep over the way that sexuality has been held for hundreds, if not thousands of years in the recent history. Exactly. And I do the same. I have learned, you know, I I started out being completely non-sexually present and couldn't access any of my sexuality or orgasticness or anything like that. And had my learning from a in my early 20s, I met this tradition that I'm in now and and learned about my sexuality and learned that I am, in fact, capable of having incredible amount of pleasure and so on. But still to today, 
my sexuality is an equal equal level of growth as all mm. the other parts of me. It's not on a constant high. And so I find that to be a very important approach to sustained sexual activity into our elderdom, that we are not critical and judgmental towards ourselves because we are all of a sudden sexually insecure or all of a sudden feel shut down. Instead, we can use it as a very valuable barometer that if I feel shut down and shameful or wondering if it's going to work today or how do I access after menopause my, my arousal now and, and so on, if I'm, if I'm judgmental towards that, everything is going to shut down because our sexual energy is actually very tender and very vulnerable to judgment and to any kind of demand for perfection. And so it's essential for an ongoing healing and blossoming of who we are sexually, that we hold our sexual self with, with a cherished love. And so if something is going on and I'm not able to access, I know that something in my heart hasn't been flowing. So my heart is closed because I actually got hurt the other day and I wasn't able to process it and so on and so forth. So, so there's, there's a parameter that something needs to move or something needs to be acknowledged or held or, or something needs to flow and, and be given space by me so that that space can open again. That's so good. I mean, it's that just resonates on so many levels. And I, I think about a correlation in my practice where, you know, when somebody gets a cold or the flu and they're sick, most of the time, most people don't blame themselves. They're not beating themselves. They're like, oh, I got sick. I'm going to take these days off and get healthy again. Yeah. And then we can even look and notice like, maybe they were a bit depleted or they hadn't been sleeping as much or there's some things that they could tend to in order to like improve their overall immunity. But generally mm -hmm. speaking, we don't tend to blame ourselves and beat ourselves up for catching the flu. Yeah, you're right. But there's other things that we will, you know, like it's my fault that my digestion is this way. It's my fault that my menstrual cycle is this way. It's my, like there are other places where we are much more prone to. And I just saw a whole thing there about, where I will keep my sexual energy and my my sexual experience sort of in a silo by itself as if it's yeah. not connected to the rest of my life. Like what else is going on in my life and how am I sleeping and how am I resting and what else is happening in my emotional world and recognizing tending to that is a direct correlation and allows for. So I love that idea of it being subtle and and maybe fragile is not the right word, but something that is like delicate yeah. that we can then tend to the space around it because if it's truly delicate, it might, you know, snap a little bit or shift a little bit more. And so yeah. then when we create that safe space around it, that's, that's, it gives me a whole different access point to that. So I really love yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So I just love this conversation, Kristen. And I also am curious a little bit more about where does this wisdom and teachings come from? Can you speak to like your lineage or training? Yeah, I started training in what is called the Sweet Medicine Sundance Path in 1989. And my teacher and the teacher of the program that you have spoken of, which is Kodoshka, is Thunderstrikes. 
and he is both Cherokee and Irish. His uh, grandfather was actually Cherokee, and he had as his uh, dedication to humanity and for his life to share teachings that he received in the dream time from energy beings that he met, which he considered to be the Twisted Hair Elders. And so he met the Twisted Hair Elders in the dream time, and they basically shared knowledge with him that was from North, South, Central America, Australia, and New Zealand. And so that's the Twisted Hair Elders. And Thunder Strikes uh, considered the Twisted Hair Elders to be a thousand-year-long lineage. I have never met the Twisted Hair Elders, but I met Thunder Strikes. And he he just was a completely dedicated shaman that dedicated his life to share knowledge that would work with humanity so that we could navigate evolving, healing, including our sexual energy into our life in a benevolent, integrous, and natural way. He he just really gave and gave and gave of himself for this knowledge to actually flourish. And so I want to honor Thunder Strikes and all that he gave to us. And the Sweet Medicine Sundance Path is the name that he called this tradi- tradition. That's wonderful. I think it is, it's really important to acknowledge where the origins of this wisdom comes from. And I think it's so powerful. And as I've continued my own progression of my spirituality and working with plant medicines and working with other shamanic traditions really come into a resonance with, there's a lot of powerful divine conscious wisdom that is out there and accessible to us if we're willing to go open ourselves up to it. And it brings so much healing and so much empowerment to people. And so I really appreciate that acknowledgement. Oh, thank you. Yeah, great. I want to ask you a hundred more questions, but I think we've done a really good job here. And oh my gosh, Kristen, I just, you and your other, you know, teachers have had a huge impact on my life personally. And there was so much work that I was able to do about recognizing how much I had sex as obligation and to be able to come to a place of free choice and heighten my communication and my safety, discover my whole body is an erogenous zone and that it's not just restriction to my genitals. Like that was so liberating. There were, there were just so many things. And I always want to keep coming back to the teachings and to the work. And I'm really grateful to be able to share some of this knowledge and this wisdom with our audience to start to open up more of this being another aspect of what it is to heal and to restore ourselves to wholeness. And it is an absolute joy to have you. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful experience. I find you to be incredible to have dialogue with. And I just find you to be so natural and and genuine and transparent in who you are as a woman. It's truly an inspiration. So thank you very much. Thank you. My favorite definition of being a leader is the one who goes first. So I often just am like, okay, I'm I'll step first and then all of you can come with me. (laughs) And thank you so much until we get to do this again. Wonderful. Thank you to today's guest, Kristen Vicken, for her power and grace. 
For all the resources for today's show, visit sarahmarshallnd.com slash podcast. Special thanks to our music composer, Roddy Nickport, and our editor, Kendra Vicken. And as always, thank you for being here. We will see you next time. <laughs>